Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank Radiant REIT for sponsoring this episode. Radiant REIT is the first ever investment trust to bring mortgage REITs to the solar energy market. And you'll learn more about Radiant REIT during this episode. Thank you. What suggestions do you have for entrepreneurs? I mean, this podcast is about solar and entrepreneurship. I would say that always have a larger goal in mind and perspective in mind, but don't forget the detail because the devil is always in the detail. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, so let's get into it. I'm excited to introduce my guest, Kushagra Nandan. He's the co-founder and president of SunSource Energy, one of the Indians' leading integrated distributed solar companies. And he's been instrumental in shaping the company's strategy and leading its project execution, technology, and energy efforts to carve a niche in the global market. Under Kush's leadership, SunSource scaled up its capability to take on complex projects and delivered over 300-plus high-quality solar power plants across Asia and Africa. By the end of this year, SunSource Energy will own as well 150 megawatts of solar projects. He was also the winner of the BW Business World 40 Under 40 list that came out the end of 2019. Kush is a solar energy enthusiast with an experience in leading large teams that develop multi-megawatt scale energy projects across the globe. Prior to founding SunSource, he worked with global solar majors, including SunPower, AstroPower, which was acquired by GE and Conti Group. Kush, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Benoit. Excited to be here with you. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really excited to have you because uh, you bring a, an international perspective and you have experience working, obviously, in India, in Southeast Asia, in Africa, in the U.S. And I think as well, you're also doing some work in the Middle East. Yes, we are, in fact, doing work across multiple geographies and very much excited to be here and share the experiences. Definitely. And I think it'll be an amazing interview for our listeners because not many people have the diversity of working in a lot of different locations and a lot of different countries. So I think our listeners are going to find it valuable. And I just wanted to start off. I know I gave a brief overview of SunSource Energy, but I think it would be great if you could talk about SunSource Energy and what you guys focus on. Yeah, sure. So SunSource, as you correctly said, we are one of the major B2B commercial industrial player in the Indian solar market. We are one of the guys who started, uh, I would say, the PPA revolution in the Indian market on the rooftop segment. We structured one of the first, in fact, PPAs even before the net metering policy came in, in way back in 2013. And we believe it was one of the first in the country. Over last, in fact, we will be completing our 10 years very soon. So over last 10 years, we have been able to implement over 300 plus projects with 150 plus clients across multiple geographies, including 24 states in the country in India and across six different countries across Southeast Asia and Africa. And we are also an investing company of private equity fund called NEF Fund, which in itself is a joint fund of a Fortune 500 bank, which happens to be the India's largest bank, State Bank of India, and the UK's Department of International Development. So uh, we are very excited to be in this space. 
and really looking to scale this business. In fact, uh, we are also doing a lot of design engineering support services for the market internationally, including in the, for the U.S., uh, we provide a lot of design services, preliminary, as well as detailed designs for the developers in, in those regions. We have delivered most 202 gigawatts of preliminary designs and a couple of hundred megawatts of detailed designs for the developers and, and installers in U.S. in particular and few in Europe. So, but our focus remains project development in the Indian market and few selected countries in Southeast Asia and few in Africa and Middle East. Definitely. So that's pretty interesting. How do you determine like which countries to focus on? And it seems like the countries are very different and unique. So I think that's a very fair question. And that also takes a lot of bandwidth. But India being a major focus, so I would say 95% of our time goes into developing the market here in India. And I would say we also have a very, very smart team and which looks at <laughs> and a very strong regulatory team. So which does a lot of analysis, understanding different regulatory understanding and from a perspective, how we can serve those clients in a better way. So one is definitely we do internal analysis. The other is looking at from our perspective, how we can serve better to our clients. So uh, countries which we are currently focused in Southeast Asia includes Thailand, Philippines, Vietnam to extent, and few in Middle East and Africa. So we have separate teams uh, looking at those, but the backend is all controlled by the team here in India, uh, be it project management, procurement, design engineering, support services at our headquarters right here near New Delhi. But when it comes to the market here in India, where our major focus is, again, very strong regulatory environment. And similar to U.S., every state here in India has its own regulatory guidelines, even though there is a whole perspective on the federal side of it. So we have to understand in detail which states are now ready for with the net metering policies or starting the community solar concept similar to that, more of an open access concept or virtual metering starting up in multiple states here. So we have to keep a constant eye on the regulatory perspective and see which states we should be looking at this year, which states we should be putting in for next year and the year after. And then we come up with an annual plan where are the targets should be. And then from there on, we start the whole development cycle. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting to hear how your focus is 95% in India and then how each of the states in India are unique in itself, similar to the U.S., I was going to ask, I know you mentioned this earlier, like what made you um, provide like a PPA or power purchase agreement product? And I know you mentioned you think it's one of the first in the Indian market, especially with net metering not being clear at that time. Yeah, I would say that actually having spent almost a decade in the U.S. market before moving back to India, uh, spent almost a decade in the solar market and uh, virtually in front of my eyes saw how the whole uh, market started evolving when the financing started coming in. Uh, I remember doing a 500 kilowatt project in 2005 at Atlantic City at making a national news uh, and now nobody talks about a 500 kilowatt project and I think <laughs> even a 500 megawatt project hardly makes a news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things have changed. Yeah, and we are actually uh, kind of blessed to be part of that journey. One thing was very clear when we were looking back, I and Adarsh, who is my co-founder, who also moved back along with me here to India. He also spent almost a decade in the U.S. solar market. 
And one thing was very clear that we have to start bringing financing to projects here in this part of the world. And the challenge was how we structure it. And the banks did not acknowledge at that time non-recourse financing on these projects. So they didn't understand the assets. But having seen the cycle in the U.S., we definitely were very clear if once we have to bring in the financing and then when the financing gets unlocked, it will definitely unlock a huge potential in this market as well. So that was the whole thesis around bringing the financing in this market. And I think we have been quite successful in achieving that goal, although it is always creative goal. But I think we have made a very, very good progress in securing non-recourse financing on our all our projects, in fact, on high-diameter projects. That's great. That's huge. And I'm sure to set up these structures was extremely difficult, especially like educating the different financing institutions on setting that up. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Obviously, now you have a partnership with the bank to invest in projects and to build potentially own 125 megawatts by the end of this year. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, thank you. I think the credit goes to all the partnerships which have come along, including from financing to structuring to regulatory understanding. All those things are now starting to come together. Definitely. (laughs) It's interesting, too, because you mentioned how you and your partner, who's your co-founder, I think it would be great for the listeners to know about, you know, what made you come to the Indian market 10 years ago? I know you both had 10 years of solar experience individually in the U.S. Can you talk about that? I think it was 2010, you moved to back to India. And what made you start the entrepreneurial journey, the both of you? And then it sounds like too, from like the experiences that you learned in the U.S., that you also incorporated that. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think that's a very exciting question as well. We were actually, in fact, having a blast in the U.S., loving the work which we were doing, especially at our respective organizations and getting to do what we actually liked and scaling it up. I think it was back in 2009, one of the conferences, I think we were chatting. And interestingly, I think the question came up, what's next? Others said, I'm thinking of moving back to India and told him I'm also thinking the same thing. And I think the reason was, and I asked him why, he said, I want to do the same thing, go back. And he and his wife were settled in the U.S. at that time, that our immediate family is back over there and really want to contribute what I have learned here back in the country. And the reasons are also same for me and my wife. We had always spent a decade and thought about starting a family. And we said, maybe let's go back now. My parents were also getting older at that time. So I think that drove it. And when we started thinking, and then we realized both us of us wants to go back. We said, thought to each other, said to each other, let's do it together. And I think we were very clear the impact solar could bring to the Indian market would have been, we realized that would have been more, in addition to capital part of it, would have a lot of social impact as well. Because just to put some data in place, India has currently almost 80 gigawatts equivalent of diesel gensets capacity sitting in. Still 3 to 4%, what we understand of the peak power is still either there are blackouts, brownouts, or it's powered by diesel. So as we saw in diesel, when you convert the power from diesel, it can actually, it's quite expensive. And when we ran some numbers and we said, okay, that's the market we want to attack, we're basically putting solar hybrid with diesel instead or towards the end, commercial industrial or hybrid it together with diesel storage and solar. So we started looking at multiple business models and we realized, okay, that's where we want to settle in. 
and eventually bring in the financing when the financing comes in the market eventually grow and 2010-11 time frame we decided to move back to India and the respected companies were very very should say supportive of the ideas and that made us actually not think twice okay, if we have a fallback option if, if, if nothing goes through in our mind we were very clear that we have to make it successful and we have to make it impactful as well in terms of scalability in terms of job generation and in terms of ensuring we build quality assets over time. Definitely. I mean, that's amazing to hear your story and how you saw an opportunity and need and really have capitalized on it. So that's that's pretty amazing. I know you briefly talked about the India solar market and we've learned a lot as well. Can you talk about what sort of trends that you're seeing in the Indian solar market and it sounds like there's a lot of still opportunity. It's still very early in the market, even though you've been involved and I'm sure you've seen so many changes over the past 10 years. Sure. Like the US market, Indian solar market is majorly divided into the utility scale, commercial industrial and the residential scale. Interestingly, the energy tariff here, unlike in the US or the Western world, the cheapest tariff here are for the farming, then the residential, and then it goes to the industrial and the, the expensive ones are the commercial tariffs. So here the commercial guys can pay as high as almost 14 cents. And the residential typical tariff is somewhere around 7 to 8 cents. Typically, your industrial customer is paying somewhere around 10 odd cents. So that's just to, from the utility across country. And in certain states, it may be lower, plus minus 10%. Certain states, it may be higher. So India is one of the now, but so many years, have become one of the leading providers or consumers of solar power. With now the National Solar Mission, which is one of the main missions of the government of India, target is put 100 gigawatts by 2022. And interestingly, of which 40 gigawatts, the target is to come by from rooftop solar, including commercial industrial. What we are seeing, the commercial industrial tariff with the market where we are focused in, now consumers are coming to us. And once they've understood, they actually can save 20 to 30% at least on their electricity tariff. Can they bring more scalability or how they can bring more and more solar into their ecosystem, including either they do it CapEx or OPEX basis. So we are looking at multiple of those. So that's what is driving and the scale in the Indian solar industry. On the other hand, on the utility side of it, the model here is, interestingly, the government has set up a nodal agency by the name of Solar Energy Corporation of India. It is one of the nodal agencies which help facilitate the land and evacuation points across the states. And then they come up with a package and do some sort of a proposal tendering part of it. So there, for a scale of a couple of hundred megawatts, we are seeing that now the tariffs are in fact going down to as low as three and a half to four cents even feeding into the grid. So we are seeing that becoming an interesting opportunity and the market is scaling up. What we are seeing additionally is now solar plus storage is starting to take shape in the market, especially the diesel replacement market, especially the market which are far off where even the end consumers are using mostly diesel. So in fact, we have done few solar plus storage projects and grid, so more of a hybrid structure together. So storage is starting to come in. We are seeing that scalability is starting to come into the market. So overall, very, very exciting times here in terms of both scale and different verticals, including utility or commercial industrial or even residential as well. Residential is starting to open up in this market now with financing starting to come in. That's interesting to hear. I'm sure that could be a huge growth area as well, especially if there hasn't been a financing solution for residential. So that's, that's great to hear. 
Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about the project that you're developing, the 70 megawatt open access solar project in Uttar Pradesh? I know you focus a lot on commercial industrial, but obviously you, you work through the whole, you know, solar space. Absolutely. So this is an interesting project and it's open access for listeners to help them understand. It's a concept of a virtual metering. You can actually set up a plant virtually within the state somewhere else where you have a connectivity and then use the ecosystem from the utility and then connect to the end user. In this concept, the end user actually participate in the project in terms of equity requirement, almost 26% minimum requirement of the equity. You can build the power. So what is interesting in this particular project, this project is located in the state Uttar Pradesh, which is one of the most populated states in the country. And if this state would have been an independent country, it would have been the number sixth most populated country on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so what we understand, the peak demand uh, during summers is around 20,000 megawatts of the state in which spring comes down to 12,000 megawatts during winter time. So the state was looking for more innovative solution, how to bring more efficiencies into the system. So they come out with this interesting policy of open access and with a new government in place, they are trying to push for more investments coming in where you can actually wield the power through virtual metering. So we are setting up three different plants, totaling up to 75 megawatts project in three different locations. And then we are selling the power to different off-takers, which are the large energy customers, including uh, hospitality, one of the large five-star hotel. Another is one of the Cola's bottling plant. Then there is a detergent or chemical factory. So different factories which require multiple, which require basically large energy consumption. But interesting the part of this is you have to study the client data. Because the state has different time of day use electricity tariffs, so you have to really understand the client data and then provide a solution around it. So our plant, will we have already started the construction, we have broken the ground, and we should be commissioning in the next few months. And we are very excited of this because the couple of our clients to whom we will now be selling power through this plant, in fact, we started with them with a smaller plant, so 500 kilowatt type on the rooftop, And now with this new policy coming in, it became a natural extension for us to offer them more power through solar. So and they also are very excited now. They have already understood how they can get the savings from solar for the last few years. And when this policy came out, they also reached out to us how best we can use more solar power and also help save some electricity bills. So and we're seeing similar models are now getting adopted in other states as well. And we're looking at a few other states, scaling it up to a couple of hundred megawatts in the next few years under the same model. Definitely. And so these are basically three utility scale projects that are yes. located in the state. And then customers through this open tariff could basically, through virtual net metering, acquire the power at some sort of discount to what they pay according to time of use. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And I think it's going to be a huge opportunity. It's obviously very similar to community solar, as you mentioned earlier, that they have in the U.S. It's very similar with virtual. Right. 
Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank Radiant Reit for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Radiant Reit is the first ever investment trust to bring mortgage REITs to the solar energy market. For the solar developers and EPC developers out there, financing with the Radiant Reit Solar Mortgage REIT will transform how you think about the business of project development. With the Radiant REIT's financing, you can increase project cash flow and you could retain ownership of your projects. The company's cradle-to-grave financing package includes the entire capital stack. Radiant REIT arranges tax equity, 100% construction financing, and up to 99% term financing at competitive rates with no upfront fees, including legal and diligence. Co-founders Jim Spano and Jeff Just are solar and finance veterans who brought together a team of experts to create and offer this innovative financing model, enabling developers to capture the true value of their development. They're committed to addressing the financing gaps that exist in today's market, especially for small and mid-sized developers. Radiant Root will remove the stress of financing or refinancing and allow you to maintain your focus on your projects. Let them be your outsourced structured finance department. Visit RadiantReit.com to learn more and to submit your expression of interest form today. Can you talk about how the Indian solar market's different from the U.S. solar market? So I think broadly, if we look at the commercial industrial market segment, the development cycle is, I would say, still getting around the same time horizon. Uh, where it differs is how the investment tax credits work in the U.S. with some federal incentives and how you have SREX in certain states, including New Jersey, structured, and which form altogether form a substantial amount of the total overall project cost and can be a major driver in the IRRs. In India, the majority of the drive, in fact, if you take away for the commercial industrial in certain states we talk about, even if you take away the incentives, the tariffs are quite high from the utility, almost somewhere around 14, 15 cents in certain states. So, and the cost of installation is quite optimized here. Even if you take away all the incentives, the IRRs are quite lucrative and the discounts to the retail electricities are still quite lucrative that the more and more industries are starting to push towards solar adoption. But at the same time, we are seeing the RPOs or renewable portfolio obligations are getting pushed from different utilities, which are becoming another source of income stream or cash flows, but they are not the main drivers. So economics are starting to work out on its own, which is interesting because the other benefit is India is more of a sunny country. So your kilowatt hours per kilowatts are also much higher than what what we see in the U.S. market. But where we lack from the U.S. market is more financial engineering in terms of more capital coming in. I think the country requires more capital, uh, definitely. And structuring of the projects, which eventually can provide the right returns and safe returns to the, to the investors. So, But I think there is a lot of innovation happening at that end. A lot of work which is happening, for example, that now the credit rating agencies are becoming very, very active in terms of rating the project. Interestingly, there has been a, a World Bank has provided a line, billion dollar line, in fact, to one of the major banks here, concessional line for non-recourse funding on for the project. In fact, German bank, KFW, has also provided the same thing. Asian Development Bank, has provided another line. So I think there are a couple of billion dollars of lines for industrial commercial rooftop projects, which are non-recourse. And that helped actually set the momentum for the local banks to understand, okay, this project, these projects actually can be non-recourse financing. So which is helping drive the growth. And these are long-term financing, 15 years, 18 years even. In fact, 
There is interestingly a few lenders which are focused on financing only renewable energy projects, including Indian Renewable Energy Development Agency, ERIDA, and Project Finance Corporation or Power Finance Corporation for that matter. So I think a lot of innovation still needs to happen here in terms of project financing. And as the project sizes are increasing, the markets are looking for more and more capital to come in. And what we're seeing is the investors are also becoming more comfortable. It took time for them, but with our last 10 years of experience, and in fact, our oldest PPA project, which we have now managing is almost now seven years and with a tariff, which was much higher than what our current tariffs are in the industry. And we're not seeing any defaults. So I think that is also giving a lot of comfort because generally the investors coming from the developed world, they always look for that. So there are enough now PPA structuring has happened. A lot of safeguards have happened now. So we are seeing that. Unlike in the US market where you know the money is going to come in and once you sign it. So here you have to put in multiple safeguards in terms of your contracts and how you safeguard it. So I think that from a regulating perspective, from contractual perspective, a lot of work had happened has happened actually. And we're just starting to now push into getting more and more project financed here. But I think once, and a lot of US companies are starting to become very active from monitoring technology providers in this market. But I think we require more codes and standards to bring more quality assets here. What we like, for example, in the US projects, are there are more quality codes in place, checks and balances are there, which we are well aware because we have operated in those markets. And I think that has become our selling point as well because all of our assets are very, very credit worthy and high quality assets. So that has become a differentiator. But as like as the industry would grows, we would like all the assets which are building in the country should be of a proper quality, high quality assets. Yeah, definitely. That's a very interesting perspective with financing and then how, and then quality as far as the construction and the equipment that you're using as well, which is very important. And then that's interesting too. You're talking about grid parity, right? Yeah. Uh, to not be dependent on incentives. It's a lot more scalable. And then obviously the higher radiance that you have in India compared to the U.S., and then also, too, I would think potentially maybe even the labor cost might be less when you talk about installation. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These are all very interesting concepts. And really, in the U.S. market, you're focused on design and engineering related work pretty much for. And that's where you're getting a lot of perspective of what sort of uh, standards, as you mentioned, or expectation and code. That's where you're providing that's where you're learning about how the U.S. market's changing and obviously working with a lot of different developers and investors who are your clients in the U.S. Right, right, right. So it's all very exciting. I think overall, we are seeing good scalability coming in across the global in the solar industry. <laughs> yes, and scalability is key for any business. One thing that I wanted to talk about, which is really interesting to me, is how you've been able to pivot and do a lot of different things. Some source has been able to pivot from engineering to EPC to basically an IPP. How are you able to do that? And how did you strategically look to make those moves? Because it's very unique and different sort of business models, especially going from engineering then to EPC and then IPP, which, you know, you're owning solar assets. Can you talk about how that? Oh, absolutely. I think the key is brings more smarter people who are more smarter than you, I guess. (laughs) 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 Build up a very strong team and should be ready to step away from the things which you are doing at present and let the right people run it or do it. I think it has been an interesting journey, but from the get-go, we were very clear we wanted to be the asset owners 
for the commercial industrial assets in the country. But we knew that the path was not easy and we have to somehow get to that point. And I think there's an old saying, you have to earn your right to grow. So interesting thing was when we were moving back to India, one of our industry colleagues, he said, since Koshi, no engineering and design, why don't you start doing it for us when you move back to India from there and we'll help your team. And I said, why not? When you're starting up, you need some revenues, right? And <laughs> so that's, how it, <laughs> that's how it started. And interestingly, we have never advertised and it has all come through word of mouth, whole our design engineering practice. And we have delivered, interestingly, almost close to a couple of hundred megawatts of design, detail engineering, and almost two gigawatt plus of design support services for the market majorly in the U.S., and we got the right people to lead it. And our main focus was to develop the market here locally. But at that time, we spoke to, when we moved back, spoke to multiple financial institutions and we realized none was ready to help finance CNI projects because the whole focus was on large-scale utility-scale projects. So we started looking at value add. So we started with an EPC services. And we did few interesting projects, which were hybrid of solar to storage and with diesel genset and grid altogether and then structured on the way in 2013, the first private PPA in the country. So we ran it for a year and we flipped it to an investor and we continue to do the asset management of the project. So we realized that development will happen in this market, but the banks will start opening up. So we started providing EPC services and understanding the B2B market and providing value to that client. And we always were very clear, eventually the financing institutions will understand this product and it will open up. So when it started opening up, I think we were ready, I would say. We had a large client base to whom we had served. Then we partnered with Private Equity Fund, Lee Fund, which was a joint fund of State Bank of India and the UK's Department of International Development to bring in the equity. And once that happened, then we also, at the same time, I think we got lucky, it was around the same time, different banks were ready to provide a non-recourse financing for the solar assets. So then eventually we started scaling up our, the IPP side of the business. Since we were already had an expert team on design engineering, on development and on EPC side of it, so it became much easier for us to integrate it with the financing product, which we were able to structure into for these solar projects. So now looking back and present, we basically have one of the few shops here in the country, which has for the CNI segment, which has an in-house project finance group, in-house EPC capabilities, in-house asset management, cap management capabilities. And that's where we realized that since we're doing it and some of these clients which we were working with are international companies which have operations in multiple locations out of India. So they, in fact, started asking, can you help us in other sites of ours in different countries? And a few developers which we, whom we have worked before, they came back and they said, oh, I have a client here, here. can you help out? So I think it was a multiple ask things. But one thing is for sure, which we always tell a client, uh, which we tell internally to our team, your reputation is as good as your last project. So you don't take easy, right? You have to keep on delivering. Yes. And if you don't deliver, you will be forgotten, and which is not the thing which we would like to do. So we are also a hard task master, I would say, and want to ensure whatever we are picking up, we deliver it properly. Definitely. I mean, that that's amazing to kind of hear the story. And it sounds like having all these different parts and then the goal eventually it was always to finance the projects. And then once financing was available, it seemed to really scale with the right partnerships and the right people involved. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, we're enjoying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what suggestions do you have for entrepreneurs? I mean, this podcast is about solar and entrepreneurship. 
I would say that always have a larger goal in mind and perspective in mind, but don't forget the detail because the devil is always in the detail, right? And you have to keep on finding that devil, right? And finding that detail. And definitely work hard towards reaching that goal. One thing is for sure that entrepreneurship is definitely challenging. It's very demanding, not only from you, from your friends, your family, from the team, but it is also rewarding, right? And it doesn't matter you win or you lose, you definitely learn a lot. So my two cents on entrepreneurship is definitely try it out at least once. (laughs) 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 And I guess, you know, you have been doing it very successfully as well. (laughs) Yeah, as I think you said, everyone should try it out. And it's an experience and you learn a lot from it because you're required to wear a lot of different hats and also selling as well is not the easiest as well. I'm in fact very impressed how you came up with the idea of podcast and how you have, I think, almost... 60 plus podcast and uh, viewers from all over the world listening in. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see like how the podcast has grown. And I've learned and grown a lot from doing the podcast. And the podcast, it's not easy to do. Like there is so much work that happens behind the scenes that I think, you know, people just hear it, but there's a lot of... I think in one of the parts, in fact, I also listen into your podcast. (laughs) In fact, one of them I was listening, you went to a podcast conference. I decided, wow, there is a conference dedicated to podcast and there were 3000 people coming in. Yeah. So I was surprised too. It was the podcast movement conference and it was the biggest podcast and it was days immersed in podcasting, which to me, like I learned so much and it's obviously very different from what I do on a day-to-day basis with solar. So I learned a lot and a lot of interesting people who are passionate about podcasting as a platform to, you know... That was very impressive, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you being on the podcast and providing a lot of unique perspective from your experience. And we haven't had many international, meaning outside the U.S., on the podcast. So this is great because you have expertise in India, but then, you know, you're also doing things in the US, Asia, Africa, the Middle East. So it's a very unique. It's almost going to be 10 years since you founded SunSource Energy, which is amazing. Congratulations. Like what are Thank the you. future growth plans of SunSource? What are, I think you mentioned, I heard somewhere like you had some expectations of goals for ownership targets that you had and to continue to move internationally as well. Yeah. So, uh, no, definitely. I think it has been a very exciting last decade and a decade earlier. In fact, I would say first 10 years, I learned a lot in the U.S. market, studied there, worked and then last 10 years, almost nurturing this organization and helping it grow. Very proud of our team, in fact, and our customers who we serve day in and out. So definitely, we want to be one of the leading solar IPPs and the distributed base in this sector in India and few other countries. And want to really focus in creating value for our clients in providing not only solar, just pure base solar, but solar storage and energy management solution. Because ultimately, we see solar storage and energy management will converge and starting to converge now and be part of that exciting growth. We're targeting growth of almost gigawatt plus in the next couple of years in terms of asset ownership. So we are very excited and I think the opportunity is there and the clients are looking for solutions. And I think it's up to us how we provide the right solutions and bring in the right partners in place and provide the right returns to our investors, be responsible to our clients, to our community, to internally as well, to our team. 
but very, very excited to be in this industry and this space. Yeah, definitely. And that sounds amazing as far as your goals for scaling and ownership. And it's still very early. So there's plenty of opportunity, in, especially in the Indian market. Very excited, Pinoy. Very excited. Yeah. <laughs> if people wanted to learn more about SunSurf Energy or get in contact with you, what's the best way? Uh, they can definitely look at our website at www.sunsource, which gets spelled as S-U-N-S-O-U-R-C-E-Energy.com or write to me at K Nandan, my first name K or first initial K and last name Nandan. N-A-N-D-A-N at the rate sunsource-energy.com. I look forward to hearing about a lot of ideas. Yeah, definitely. And it was interesting hearing your story and your perspective. And I really think our listeners will really find the information that you provided extremely useful. So thank you, Kush, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Likewise, Pinoy. Very, very excited. And do keep us updated when next year you go to podcast conference. I would love to hear how many people were there. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure it'll continue to be growing. Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Kush. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U-Energy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thanjan and Kevin Y. Brown. 